We are looking this morning at 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn inside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship, do the work of the evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Amen. Thank you, Marcia. Good morning. Thank you for saying my name. That was nice. Let me ask you a question. What do you think of when, what kind of image do you have when I say the words street corner preachers? What comes to mind when you think about them? Do you cringe a little bit? Do you find them amusing? Do you think that there are people who maybe have a screw that's a little bit loose? That you struggle with them? Sometimes you may wonder, is there anything that they're doing that's doing any good? What do you think of when you think of street corner preachers? I've walked by many over the years, and some are yelling condemnation. But I've also walked by a lot who are just taking the word of God, and they're just reading out of the Bible, and they're telling people that Jesus loves them, and that he wants relationship with them. And they're preaching the gospel. I've walked by many who are doing the same. I love this guy in the picture. He's a guy who's just reminding of people of the truth. Jesus loves you. Let me tell you about him. He loves you. He wants relationship with you. But most of the time when we think of street corner preachers, we just kind of walk on by as they're preaching and we sort of shake our heads. What I start to think about as I walk on by street corner preachers is I start to wonder, would I have the courage? Would I have the courage to be bold enough to stand on a corner and let people know that Jesus loves them? Do I have the courage like they do? Especially the ones who are just teaching the Word of God. Would I, would I be able to stand up and not be ashamed and just say, hey, the Lord loves you. I want you to know that. Would I have the courage? Because I think one of the things that we have to wrestle with is the commands of Scripture. And even as we, we were up here dedicating and sending off Aaron and Joan, are we a people who are making disciples of Jesus Christ? Let me remind you of the scriptures. All authority, Matthew 28, Jesus is saying, 
on heaven and earth has been given to me, and therefore, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and make disciples of all the nations. Jonah and Aaron are gone. Where are you going? Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's a lifestyle of discipleship. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we now serve a holy God. We serve the kingdom of God. And therefore our lifestyle is one of going and making disciples. People need to hear the truth about Jesus and the life that he can bring and the salvation that he offers. People need to know. Listen to Romans 10. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's good news. But he goes on. How then, though, can they call on the one that they haven't believed in? How can they believe in the one that they have not heard about? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. As we look at this passage this morning in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I would suggest to all of us that we are all called to be street corner preachers. We're all called to be street corner preachers. Here's the big question, though. And we need to ask, each of us need to ask. Ready for the question? Where's your corner? Where's your corner? Where has God placed you to preach his good news? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just ask this morning through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would spur us, stir us up to go and make disciples. We want to serve you and serve your kingdom. We want people to know about you because you've changed our lives forever. Through the death of your son Jesus on the cross and his resurrection, you have given us life We want people to know, and you want people to know about you. So, Father, help us to be disciple-makers, preaching the good word, because those there are many out there who haven't heard. So teach us this morning, spur us through your Spirit, and may we respond in obedience. In your precious name, amen. Well, let me give you a little bit of the historical context. You've got, you got to feel this text, chapter 4. Paul is in prison, and he really is about to die, and he knows it. He knows it. In the last days of his life, this charge to Timothy, there's some things I need you to know. There's some things I need you to respond to. Because it is so important that people know Jesus. I need you to hear me, Timothy. These are my final words before I go and be with the Lord. Feel the angst. Feel the burden. Timothy, 
verse 1, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in view of His appearing and His kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach, preach, preach the Word. Preach the Word, dear saints. Cariso. It has this idea that we are heralds We are publicly proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Be heralds on your street corner, wherever that may be. How is God moving us to preach? And he's wanting Timothy to be moved. Preach the word. I give you this charge. The reality is is bringing forth God's good news, preaching from the pulpit, preaching in your communities, The reality is, is preaching God's word has fallen upon hard times, hasn't it? We live in a a fast-paced society, TV, commercials, everything's quick, quick, quick. Do people pay attention? Is their attention spans long enough to to hear God's word? We're always pressured to to make more and more, make your sermons less, 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 less. Because people can't take it. They can't take too much time. It's fallen on hard times. People aren't listening. We're in a social media error. Many are abandoning, staying true to the Word and going through the doctrine of Scriptures and preaching more a message that that has drama and storytelling because we want to appeal to the emotion. Just teaching God's Word has fallen upon hard times. And so we're always in battle against what's coming in our generation. Many pastors today who preach the Word, they aren't really preaching very thoroughly the Scriptures because they're forced to be CEOs of their church. It's like they're running a business. And all the demands of running the business, instead of the one thing they should be doing, studying the Word of God so that the body can know the Word of God. Preaching's fallen on hard times. And so we're constantly in a battle for that. J.I. Packer says, he says, preaching the Word and hearing the Word are absolutely essential for God's people. So Timothy, I want you to preach. Why? Why preach? Because huge things are at stake. Eternal life is at stake. Preach it. Wherever your street corner is, Look at the words he uses. I solemnly charge you, Timothy. It's like he's bringing them before the judicial bench. I want you to take an oath. Before these witnesses, take an oath. I solemnly charge It's serious business. We are about the things of the kingdom of God. And I want you to preach the word. These are my last instructions for you. It has an incredible, eternal significance. I want you to take this because guess what? People are going to stand before that bench of judgment, before Jesus, who is going to return and He is going to reign over all, but He will judge every one of us. It's serious business. We oftentimes don't preach about God's judgment. That doesn't feel very good. 
but it's the truth. We all will stand before God, and he will judge us, our hearts. Have we surrendered our lives to him, or have we not? I want people to know Jesus. Paul is saying, Timothy, you need to to keep passing this on. Preach the word. They will stand before the judge. Life is a serious matter. Because Christ will appear again. It's like the emperor coming into town. That's the word that's used here. The emperor is coming. He will appear. He will reign. He will judge. And what they would do before the emperor would come to town is they would clean up the streets and they would get everything ready and prepared. We're ready for the king, the emperor, to come. And that's what he's saying here. Preach the word so that people's hearts are ready. That they know Jesus, that they've surrendered their hearts to Jesus, that basically their lives are cleaned up, made pure because of Jesus. Where's your street corner? Preach it. Keep preaching. It's a serious matter. I want you to preach the word so that people are ready for the king to come. Preach the word. Why do we preach the word? Because you know what? People truly, in this post-Christian generation, people truly do not know the word. They haven't heard it. I was with a young man about three weeks ago, and we were just talking over books and things of that nature. And I was talking about Israel and how I just love Israel and, and love studying there. And he said to me, and he's not a believer, he said to me, I would love to go to Israel. Tell me about it. What's it like? And I started to tell him stories. And I said, oh, we show up, we show up near Tel Aviv, and then we, we, uh, we go to Jaffa, which is that, that wonderful place where Jonah tried to, to escape God, you know, and he took off from Jaffa, the port of Jaffa. And as he left, you know, they threw him out, and he was swallowed by the whale, that story. And, and this young man is looking at me with just blank look. He's like, I've never heard this story. I'm all, I'm all, I thought he was joking with me. I'm like, come on, Jonah and the whale. Jonah and the whale. He's like, don't know it. Never heard it. That's our generation, our post-Christian generation. Why do we preach the word? Because people literally have not heard. And so I got to share with them about Jonah and the whale. And he's Italian background, and I got to tell him about this place, Jaffa, and where Jaffa, where Cornelius sent his guys, this Roman military guy, over to Simon the Tanner's place in Jaffa, came and they connected together. And then Peter goes over to, to Caesarea by the sea, hooks up with Cornelius, this Italian guy. And I told Giancarlo, I said, Giancarlo, do you understand something? It's the Italians who were the first Gentiles to really get the word of God and receive the love of Jesus. And then they spread it out as their family came to know Jesus. It's the Italians. And he was so excited. So excited. But he never heard the word. He didn't know that. Why do we preach? Because people haven't heard, dear friends. 
We preach the scriptures. What are we preaching? The word of God, the gospel, and the scriptures that have been given. There is no break from 316 through chapter 4. All scripture God breathed and useful for teaching, instruction, bringing doctrine. We must explain what the word of God means. What are we preaching? We're preaching the scriptures. Let me tell you what this means. Let me tell you about Jonah and the whale, the significance of that. We explain it. The preacher's message should be governed by the text and the text alone. And we want to bring it forth wherever we are. And I really want to make clear, again, this instruction from Paul is to Timothy, who was pastoring in Ephesus. He's the shepherd there. And there's a lot of instruction for what it means to be a pastor. But again, I don't want you to miss, we're all called to teach the word. Which is we're making disciples. We're making disciples. We're all called to do that. And we preach, we herald out the king's message. It's only the king's message that we can bring. The herald wasn't allowed to just say his own stuff. Are you kidding? He would die. He would be killed. The king gives the herald a message. The herald goes to the people and says, this is what the king said. That's what we need to bring to people. It's not Rod Ritchie saying this. This is what Jesus says. This is what Jesus says. We're not free to make up our own stuff. Because scripture, as we bring it, it is everything pertaining to life and godliness. That's what 2 Peter says. We apply it. We preach it. We preach the word. When do we preach? We preach even when we're grumpy. Right? You know? Even when we're grumpy. In season and out of season. In season and out of season. What that means is, in the language, is when it's convenient, when it's not convenient. When it's opportune, when it's not opportune. When do we preach it? In season and out of season. When we feel like it, when we don't feel like it. The days are evil, Scripture reminds so make the most of every opportunity. Things are falling apart. People are wanting to know truth. How do I make it through the day? The days are evil. Make the most of every opportunity. Preach it. Bring people the Word of God. Even when we don't feel like it. When we wake up sick, when we're just uh, in a bad mood. I don't feel like talking to anybody today. It's not opportune for me. He's saying, I want you to still preach it. Preach in your brokenness. Let people know about Jesus Christ. Preach in season, out of season. It has the idea that our lives are consumed with Jesus Christ. It is who we are. We are followers of Jesus. We are children of God. We are servants of Jesus. And therefore, my life is consumed with... So I go forth and I preach it. In season, out of season. It's just all of who I am. And so we preach the word. Be ready That has the idea of stand alert. It's a sense of emergency. It's like a paramedic or a fireman. As soon as they get that call, boom, they're they're down the pole. They're in the ambulance. They're on their way. They are ready. Be ready to preach the word in season, out of season. Be alert. 
Why? Because things are important. Why? Because guess what? Jesus is coming back. There's a sense of urgency in this passage. Timothy, these are my final words. I'm passing on the baton. Be ready. Because people are dying in their sin and they need to know the love of Jesus. Be ready. I was in Taiwan with some dear friends and and we were just going to to visit people on the streets and just have some house visits. And we were with the Ivans, and so we went, and we went to one house, and we knocked on. And as is custom, they, they serve you tea, and you just sit and chat about life. And so this, this one gentleman had a beautiful tea set. I mean, very expensive, beautiful tea set. And Nicholas is sitting next to me. He's like, hey, Rod, tell him, tell him a Bible story. And I'm like, Nicholas, What? Yeah, just tell them a Bible story. We're here to visit. I'm like, I don't have a sermon prepared, man. And he's not, just tell them tell him something out of the Bible. He wants to know, you know. That's just what we do. I'm like, you could have given me a little heads up, you know. So I'm sitting there, I'm looking at the tea set, and the Holy Spirit, and this is the way I work, and I hope you do too. When I have no idea what to say, I'm like, Holy Spirit, you need to give me something to say. Because I got nothing. And so he gave me, he said, hey, Rod, remind this man that I am the potter and that he is the clay. And that he makes beautiful things. And that this man is incredibly valuable piece of tea set. He's valuable to God. Just tell him that. And so I did. In season, out of season. I wasn't quite ready for it. But God gave me the words I needed to say. And so we preach. We preach. Ask God to do it. How do we preach the word? 4 2 says, I want you to reprove and rebuke and exhort, and I want you to do that with great patience and instruction. Teach, teach, teach. Give them instruction. One preacher asked the audience, he said, What do you do? What do you do with the commands of Scripture? What do you do with them? And a sweet old lady raises her hand and she says, I underline them in blue. All of the commands are in blue. You know, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. But what the Lord wants us to do is to respond to His commands in obedience. Because there's a holy God who's offered us life in Him. And at great cost has made the payment for our sin. I want people to know about the holiness of the Lord. I want them to know about Jesus. And Jesus says himself, if you love me, then obey my commands. If you love me, obey my commands. The word helps us to see where our lives are not in line with Scripture. And so we're called to correct or reprove. That's a legal term that that gives you the idea of, listen, I want you to take people and take them to the Scriptures, use the Scriptures, and say, listen, dear brother or sister, let me tell you why this direction that you're headed is not in alignment with God's Word. And so when we correct or reprove, it has the idea, again, I am going to put to the test, I'm going to prove why this is is not a good path because of Scriptures. Here's what Jesus says about this. Here's what the Lord says about this. This isn't healthy for you. 
this isn't a good direction for you. And it's all Jesus. It's, again, it's not Rod. It's not you. It's what Jesus says. And so we correct. We rebuke. That's a little stronger term. And it deals oftentimes with moral aspects of life. And it's coming in and saying, listen, I love you so much, but this direction that you're going, you're sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend before you're getting married. That's not what the Lord has for you. As a follower of Jesus Christ, repent. Turn from that. I'm rebuking you in the Lord. And we always do that full of grace and love. Don't come with this. We come with grace and truth and love. Listen, brother, sister, this is going to lead to much destruction if you keep going down this path. So repent. Repent. Let God wash you clean and start new with him. He's a God of second chances. And we do that. And this says, I want you to exhort or encourage. That has the idea that that we come alongside. There is this beautiful, the the word there is parakaleo, which is the word we have for the Holy Spirit. Parakaleo means I walk alongside of you. That's what the Holy Spirit does, right? He walks with us. He says, I want you to correct. I want you to rebuke. I want you to walk alongside with. And that has the idea that we are encouraging people in the good things of God. As we're teaching the word, we are encouraging them in in the beautiful things of the Lord. This is why it's good to go this way. Let me encourage you. I'm not standing over here saying, how dare you sin? I'm right here with you. I'm a broken sinner just like you. Let's both move towards the Lord together. That's what he's saying we need to do. I charge you with this, Timothy. We must enter into people's lives. This is community together. And so step in. We're making disciples together. It's disciples making disciples. And we do it with much patience, the scriptures say. Much patience, which has that idea of long-suffering. And it's also a good reminder, guess what? We're oftentimes just a little slow to pick up things, aren't we? You don't just change someone just like that. Here, this is what God says, so just change. No, it, it takes time. But you're walking with people through the process, right? And again, you're not judging them. God's the judge of those things. You're showing them God's truth. You're doing it with incredible grace and love. And you're and doing it with patience. This is what it means, disciples making disciples. And it's a good reminder, we're meant to be in community life together, right, dear saints? We're meant to be together. And so we do that with patience and careful instruction. We don't just leave them there and say, hey, go ahead and, and stop fooling around. No, we... We take the word of God and now we instruct. Hey, here's here's what the Lord has for your life. Here's the beauty. Let's go into the word. Let's study. Let's get to know God more and his son, Jesus. Let's learn about him together. So patience and instruction. That's what we do together. And so the question for all of us, where's your street corner? Is that in your family? Is that in your workplace? Is that with your neighbor next door? Where's your street corner? An incredible charge by Paul, because the times are urgent. Where's your street corner? Because the problem is, as we're bringing forth 
this, this wonderful news about Jesus, guess what? Verses 3 and 4, the time's going to come. People will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, they're going to suit their own desires. They're going to gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. There's a bunch of people just doing this everywhere. They're scratching their itching ears. They're just going to want to listen to things that, that scratch that itch. There's a camp out in, in Sacramento. It's called Camp Quest West. And it's a camp that specifically uh, ends up teaching people. It invites kids of families who are agnostic, atheist, uh, they're free thinkers, humanists. This is, we're going to go to camp and become better humanists, is what they do. And it's, it's becoming a very popular camp. The owners of the camp and the, the leaders of the camp say, listen, this camp says we deplore efforts to seek or to explain the world in supernatural terms and to look outside of nature for any form of salvation. And so at the camp, there's crafts, and there's boating, and there's all canoeing, and there's campfires, and there's roasting marshmallows. And then we're going to talk about evolution, and we're going to talk about debate, and being skeptical of everything. That's just all part of camp. We want you to be free to express who you are, and we don't want to condemn you in any way, and we're just going to let you, let you express everything that feels comfortable for you to express. Again, the camp manager says, the kids come to camp and they express for the very first time and they're just so freed up from it that we don't believe in God that He exists. How freeing is that? And all those things that He tells us to do, we don't believe in that. This is a camp. It's there today. It's going on all summer long. And the camp at the end of the week, a couple of years ago, their final instruction was this. Hey, we want you to, the last project is, we want you to develop your own religion and it needs to be acceptable by everyone and good for everyone. We only want to hear what we want to hear. And it says they're heaping up. That means they're gathering. There's just a pile of preachers that they're gathering around them that will just speak things to them that won't offend them in any way. Oh, don't talk to us about sin. Don't talk to us about what we're doing wrong. Don't talk to us about the hard things of judgment of Scripture and a holy God. We just want lovey-dovey Jesus. That's all we want. And that everything's okay. And so they heap up pile upon pile of these preachers who will give them ice cream all week long. That's what's happening. Be aware the days are coming and the days are now. We need health food. That's what sound doctrine is. Sound doctrine is, is, it means healthy, hygienic. You see, when we, when we teach the Word of God, it's hygienic. It's healthy. It doesn't always feel good when you're getting in shape, does it? Or when you're eating healthy food, it doesn't always taste the best. But in the long run, it brings incredible health. You can mix in a little ice cream every now and then. But do you know what I mean? Instead of a diet of just pure ice cream, they're going to heap upon, heap upon, heap upon. They're going to turn aside 
from the truth. They're going to listen to stories that are these myths, man-made stories. And preachers who are pleasers, if you're a pleaser, you're not wanting to offend anybody. And so, well, I just want to tell you the ice cream stuff of, of the scriptures. He says, no, don't do that. That doesn't bring them spiritual health or life. The question for us, where's your street corner? And then he finishes with this. I want you to to keep going in the gospel, verse 5. But keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge the duties of your ministry. People are not going to listen, but keep preaching the word anyway. Keep bringing them truth. Keep sharing your life with them anyway. A man or woman of God, you need to know you're going to go against the flow. You're a fish upstream. You just are. We're in this together. People don't want to hear it. We want to be our ears tickled in the Lord. No, just tell us the good things. No, I want you to be one who's going to continue to persevere in gospel preaching. Be sober. Literally, don't be drunk. Don't get intoxicated on all these successful false teachings that are going on. There was a little bit of a draw. Don't be intoxicated by the lie. Oh, man, it feels awfully good to scratch that itch. That's intoxicating. No, preach the word. Preach the sound doctrine of the scriptures. Be sober in your mind. Be sober in the truth. Keep be the ones who basically are the designated drivers for those who are drunk on this false teaching and this ice cream teaching. And it says, I want you to endure hardship. If you preach the gospel, guess what? You're going to face opposition. Endure hardship. I just got a call from my friend Jake, and Jake is in prison right now. He made a couple mistakes, and so he's in prison right now. But I called him the other day, and we talked for about a half an hour, and Jake said, Rod, I want you to know something. God is just using me in this prison. I'm leading Bible study every day. Guys are coming to me and they're asking me about spiritual things because I want you to pray for me because there's a lot in the prison who hate this. They hate it. They hate God. And they hate that I'm bringing the gospel message. And so they're attacking me verbally. Pray for me. You see, Jake's street corner is right there in jail. Just like Paul, by the way. That's his street corner. And continue to do the work of an evangelist. That means keep caring about those who do not know Jesus. Share the gospel. Keep on running the race. And then finally it says, fulfill your duty. That means don't give up. Don't give up. When you guys are there in the middle of the pressure, don't give up. Fulfill your duty. God's called you to that. And keep ministering the gospel. And we get up and we keep fighting the good fight and we finish the course. So get up. Go to your street corner and preach the word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just ask for your hand upon us this morning. Stir us as you will. May we be a light in darkness. May we be a voice in the middle of those whose ears are deaf. May they hear your word and your truth and your love. We want to follow you in obedience, Lord Jesus, in your precious name.
Amen.